Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast, where you'll find fresh messages uploaded weekly. Pathway Church is a Bible-based church located in Peterborough, Ontario, and we're on a mission to reach people far from God and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. We hope that what you hear today will help you to take one step closer to Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us, and if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe. Well, it's great, it's great to be with you this morning. For those of you that don't know me, I'm Andrew. I'm the family pastor here at Pathway, and uh, I've been here about uh, two years full-time, and a few, almost, uh, I guess it would be three years before that. And I'm excited to be with you, Nathan, uh, Pastor Nathan. He's still on vacation, and so I'm honored to share. Last week, if you were here, you had that you know, amazing gift coming from Kirk Goodman as he shared some of his personal story of journeying through suffering. Of, of, of what's going on in his own life and his wife Linda's, and uh, just the, I, you know, Kirk, if you're here, thank you so much for sharing vulnerability. I'm not sure if you are, but uh, that was just such a gift. The hope that you gave in the middle of your hurt, really, really appreciate that. Thanks so much. And uh, if you didn't, if you weren't here, or you didn't catch it via podcast. You're going to want to check that out on the on the podcast. But here we are, two weeks into uh, for some of us the the summer. Summer holidays, if you're a kid or a teen, you know, how's the, how's the summer going? Loving it? Loving it? For me as a parent, I've got uh, a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and almost two-year-old, and uh, it's just kind of, the, the train keeps on rolling. It's like, okay, now they're not in school, so now we've got to find stuff to do. It's just busy, right? And, and, you know, we've got a great zoo, but there's only so many laps you can do of those camels and it all. It's just, ah, it's beautiful. For, for many of us, when we come to the end of the school year, you know, it's an opportunity to just kind of like finally take a breath, finally, finally just kind of reset ourselves. I think, I think for a lot of us, you know, New Year's is that time to reset goals, but summer is the time that you reset your pace, you reset your priorities. And, uh, and for me at least, this, uh, this, this school year it has just felt like a bit of a, a, bit of a long haul. And, and finally, you get to that, that, that uh, last week of June, and it just feels like you crossed the finish line. Some of you guys can probably relate. It's, it's, it's just something that it just takes everything out of you. And you just kind of need, need a little bit of time through the summer to just kind of refresh. So, you know, some of you students, by the time you got to your last exam, did you even care? Probably didn't even care, did you? Parents, that last week of school, maybe even still, you're waiting for those summer holidays, maybe a trip out east. It's just like, please, one foot in front of the other. I know that's how it was for Sonia and I. Two years ago, we went out to, out to PEI on a road trip. And it didn't matter. She was 36 weeks pregnant. I mean, we just took the gamble. We, we took off <laughs> and just kind of crossed our fingers, hope for the best. And then, of course, we get halfway through Quebec, and our AC died. <laughs> so we rolled down the windows, and you got the pig farms. Oh, it's beautiful, right? And we, we did it because sometimes you just need that time away. You need a little time to reset, and you'll do whatever it takes. I think that's true of us in a general sense, that we, get to, that we get to July, August, and we're just looking for a breath of fresh air. But I think that's also true for those of us that have chosen to follow Jesus, that somewhere through the course of the year, our passion fades. And what started out, Maybe when we first believed as this, this, this passionate pursuit, this passionate love for God has slowly dwindled. And, and, and it's now become more of like a trudging along. 
Some of you guys, you know, you're just, you're just picturing like trudging through snow. And after the heat that we had this past week, that's probably hard to picture. Any, any winter fans right here? We're, yeah, no, no. Okay, that's thumbs down. Okay, there's a, there's a big, yeah, there it is. Okay. Um, you're picturing just like trudging through in snow pants, two feet of snow. That's what it feels like by the time you get to that end of the, end of the school year. Not just in life, but also in your faith. That's how it's felt for me, just to, just to be real with you guys. Uh, there's ups and downs of life and, and leadership, but there's certain moments. And, and for me, I kind of feel like this message that I'm going to share with you is just kind of coming out of, out of who I am. It's been thoughts that I've had over the last few months, and it's just an opportunity to share with you. You know, like, um, by the end of the school year, you almost feel like you could just easily fill a couple of counseling sessions with some therapy. Just kind of unloading some of your personal baggage, things like disappointment. If you're driven like me, you have high hopes, you have goals, and then some of them don't pan out, or different relationships didn't go the way that you wanted. You, you had high hopes, and you got disappointments. You've got, you're dealing with loneliness. You're dealing with cynicism. You're dealing with um, heart, heartbreak in your family. You name it. And you're just kind of exhausted, and you're in need of a refresher. Well, this morning, my hope is to give you guys some hope. To give you, like in, the, in a similar way to Kirk, to speak some truth into your lives that gives you perspective to the middle of this. And I hope that it'll help you to reset so that you do have a faith that's passionate. So that you can sing the words of that song, I'll follow you anywhere. And you mean it, and it's real, and it's deep. That's my hope. And uh, we're going to look at uh, some verses from, from John 21 that, that, that they almost read like a counseling therapy session that we just get the chance to sit in on. It's a conversation between Jesus and the Apostle Peter in John 21, starting in verse 15. And I, I think it's going to you know, just breathe fresh life into you. And uh, we're going to look at it, but, but before we do that, I just want to set it up with a bit of the backstory because it's pretty important for this conversation. So before this conversation that Jesus has with Peter, it's on a beach. Three years before that, give or take, Jesus had come alongside, and he had seen Peter and his brother Andrew and some of the other disciples fishing. They're fishermen. They're, they're fishing out in the Sea of Galilee, and he says, come follow me. And against all odds, they decide to follow him and just pursue that life. And they give up everything, and they pursue this life of following Jesus. And, and through the course of those three years, they meet this, this guy, Jesus, who's, who's got authority like no one else to teach, to speak, to speak into their life, to speak truth. He's doing miracles they never thought possible. And in the course of those three years, Peter becomes a passionate follower of Jesus. When Jesus miraculously is walking across water, Peter's the one that jumps out of the boat and walks, starts walking towards him. He's got faith like no other. And at one point, right before Jesus was about to die, Peter looks around at the other disciples and said, even if all of you guys fall away, I won't. And Jesus looks at him and says, tonight, before a rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And sure enough, that's what happens. And as Jesus dies and goes to the grave, Peter is left there in the agony of regret. His personal disappointment, everything that he had given himself for over the last three years hung in the balance. Now what? I just messed up. What do I I have to live for? What's my direction? What's my purpose? Who do I love? And then Jesus miraculously comes back to life. And there he is. He's showing the disciples his hands and his feet. Yeah, I actually did rise. He's legit. He's, he, he's coming back. And, and there he is. And Peter sees him. And, and, and they haven't spoken yet. This is, this is a few days. And, and, and Peter's like, man, where do I stand? He saw me deny him. 
Like, does he still love me? Or is there anything there? Is there hope for me? And that's the backstory to this conversation. And maybe you can relate because there's things in your own life that you have regrets, that you have personal disappointments. You wonder, could God still love me after what I've been through? So that's what I, I hope is going to set us up for this conversation. It's, uh, it's rich. So let's go John 21, verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Notice this, that when Peter got off track, when we get off track, the very first place that Jesus starts to reignite passion is in our heart. So point number one, if you want to be a passionate follower, it starts with the heart. It starts with the heart. Jesus asks a simple, profound question. Do you love me more than these? More than these. What does that mean? More than what? Well, just picture yourself on that beach, okay, for a moment. Picture yourself, and there's the nets, and there's the boat. Jesus is asking him, Peter, I know that this was, your, this was your background, that your dad's still a fisherman. This is what you grew up with. This is everything that you knew. Do you love me more than these nets and these boats and these possessions that one day, three years ago, you left? Do you love me more than these? That family that you left, that all of a sudden you're back with as soon as things fell apart. Do you love me more than these, these, this family, these friends, this social network? Do you love me more? Do you love me more than the identity that comes with your work, the, the consistency? Do you love me more than that? And some of us may have grown up on the East Coast or have gone there, and you know the scent of the smell of the sea and dead fish. Mm. For, for some reason, for Peter, there was some nostalgia in that. It felt like coming home. When I was at Tyndale University, I had some, some friends uh, from Newfoundland, and uh, they'd, they'd speak their Newfie stuff, and they'd be like, what are you at, bye? And I'd be like, what the heck are you talking about? But for those, but for those Newfies, the, the scent of the, the ocean was always in there. It was, it, every time you went home, it's just like, ah, finally I'm home. And here Peter is, after following Jesus through everything they did, he's back at the beach with a fish, and it feels like home. And Jesus says to him, do you love me more than the nostalgia and the familiarity of this? Are you willing to give yourself all in? One of the things I love about this story is that when Jesus sees us in the mess of our life, in our regret, in our disappointment, he doesn't just leave us. Jesus could have left Peter, okay, you know what? You didn't learn. There you are back at the boats. But he doesn't do that for Peter, and he doesn't do that for me. When I mess up in front of my kids, when I make decisions that are probably going to cost me long term, Jesus sees that mess, and he enters right into it. 
And he's there with his arms open wide saying, I love you. Do you love me? See, the, the very first question that Jesus asked, this is fascinating, he doesn't come at us with anger. What were you thinking, Peter? After all the things that I told you, what are you doing? He doesn't come at us exasperated. He comes at us with an invitation. And he just says, do you love me? Where's your heart at? See, three times Peter had betrayed Jesus. Three times Jesus gives them the opportunity to affirm his loyalty. Never forget, I read this, never forget there's more mercy in Christ than sin in us. If we can put that up on the screen. There's more mercy in Christ than sin in us. See, Jesus wants the best for us. He wants a life filled with passion, filled with, filled with life. In, in John 10, he says, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. And yet, when Jesus asked that question, do you love me? It's funny, I, I, I nerded out for a second this week and looked up the Greek of that, that word love. And it's actually, this is something you should pick up on. Just go with me for a sec. The word love there is agape, which, which means this, this unconditional, selfless love. Peter, uh, Jesus is saying to Peter, do you unconditionally, selflessly love me? And Peter says, yes, I love you. But it's actually a different Greek word. It's phileo, which means kind of this brotherly affection. It's like, it's like G- Peter saying to Jesus' question, do you unconditionally, selflessly love me? Well, yeah, you know that I like you. And, and have you ever been in a define the relationship kind of conversation? You're not quite on the same page? Like say, when I first told my wife, Sonia, that I love her, hey, honey, I love you. You kind of feeling the same thing? And she comes back with, oh, yeah, you know that I like you. Okay, this just got awkward, right? Or as a teen, maybe you know the difference between wheeling and dating. And I guess there is a difference. But you know that if you were Peter in that situation, you're kind of torn because, ah, what do I say here? I can't honestly say that I unconditionally, selflessly love God because of what I just did, right? You, you know that's not true, so you come out with your half-hearted response. And I think every single one of us is in the same boat. We respond like this, yes, Lord, you know that I think you're a good teacher. Yes, Lord, you know that I appreciate your morals and your social activism. Yes, Lord, man, your miracles are pretty cool. But that's not the question Jesus asks. Do you unconditionally, selflessly love me? That's where it gets real personal, doesn't it? Just for a second. Is Jesus your everything? One of the lines of that song, you're the treasure, you're the prize. Is that true of us? There's a good question. If you ever have time sitting around at the beach or a dock or something like that, what's my relationship with God like? Is it true that I'll follow you anywhere? Let me just dive into a few different questions just to get some application on this. Let's just start, let's just start with possessions. Do you love God more than your possessions? I think back to when Sonny and I first got married. We were 21, and we're living in Toronto, and we joined this life group in Markham. And uh, I, I remember the very first night that we got there, we were pulled up to this, felt like a mansion at the time. And we're pulling in in our 96 Corolla, and they've got Lexuses, they've got Beamers, they've got it all in the, park, in the, in the driveway there. And Sonia's like, we're not going in. We are not going in. I'm like, well, we signed up for this. Like, I'm going in, so either you're coming with me or <laughs> I, guess, I guess I'm going single. And so sure enough, she comes in and... Um, we were just like intimidated to the nines by this. 
you know, these guys are going to be like entrepreneurs and school teachers and managers and high ups. And sure enough, they were. <laughs> and we just found a home in the middle of them for those years or two. And we still keep in touch quite a bit. But one of the things that we experienced in that life group was we got to know someone else that we wanted to love and care for. And her name was Zuhur. Kind of, I guess she'd be an Indian woman. She had uh, two teen daughters. She lived in the Jane and Finch area of Toronto, which, as you probably know, is a high crime rate, low income area. And she had had some flooding in her apartment. And we just wanted to help her. We just wanted to, to be a part of, part of that. And uh, so she had a little list of things that we could help her with. And one of the things was a bed. And, uh, you know, one of the other families covered that. We were like, like, we're starting out here. We've got, like, student debt to the nines. Like, we can't muster up a bed. But I saw on her list um, she needed kitchen, kitchen serving utensils. So, okay, we got that, right? So we, we go, we just, you know, been married six months earlier. Got things off our wedding registry. Like, we're loaded. We're stocked, right? So we load it all up into a box, take it over to Zuhur and say, you know, hey, is there anything here that would be helpful to you? And she just looks at us and says, well, can I have it all? So like, oh, man, I'm, I'm number crunching in my head. That's like $200. Like, man, what are we going to do? And I thought, man, on the way home, what's wrong with me? All of a sudden, I'm attached to like a ladle that I don't even use. I mean, the next morning, we were trying to flip pancakes. We didn't have a flipper, but like, who cares, right? Like, man, it's so easy to get attached to the possessions. We love our toys, don't we? It's hard to just let go. Do you love God more than your possessions? How about this? Do you love God more than the familiarity and the comfort that comes with your home or your family? I know sometimes we'll do anything for our family. And sometimes that means we'll even compromise on our own decisions just in order to keep the peace. Sometimes we'll just kind of do whatever it takes. But what if God said, hey, I need you to give up living in Peterborough. I need you to to do this one thing for me. I need you to say this one thing. Would you be willing to go there? Or do you love God more than the familiarity or comfort of life? Do you love God more than your identity? Especially the identity that comes from your job. See, for me, one of the things I love about Pastor Nathan, Pastor Todd, is the fact that they were willing to do whatever it cost to follow Jesus. And, and when, it, when I think about their story, for Pastor Nathan, his, uh, his career was in, uh, in window manufacturing. And, you know, he's, he's in a leadership role. He's manager, uh, part owner. And when he felt that call to, to go into ministry, he left that. He didn't have to leave. That was a decision that he made. For Todd, same thing. He left that job at TELUS. There was great, you know, lots of perks. And here he is, loving and leading. And for me, I, I used to do a carpentry and, and, uh, and tile High-end situation, loved it, loved it. And three years ago, I guess it would be three years ago, my family was in Turks and Caicos at a beaches resort, an all-inclusive, paid for by my boss. That's pretty awesome. We, we've got a photo book that we, we open up, and the girls look at pictures, and, and they'll ask, like, Dad, when are we going back? We're never going back. <laughs> that was a one-time gig, honey. Unless, yeah, I don't think Pathway's footing that bill. <laughs> Oh, but there's, there's no greater joy than to step into the call that God has for us and to, to let go of the identity that comes with our work and say, my identity is going to be rooted in you. I love you more than my work. See, it starts with the heart. 
That's where it starts, with that question, do you love me? But there's more to it. There's more to discovering what makes us passionate followers. And here's the second point. To rediscover passion, move toward your mission. See, three times Jesus said, uh, Peter says, yes, I love you. And each time, Jesus' Jesus' response is actually interesting. He gives Peter a job. He gives him something to do. It's not just about the heart. There's follow-through. See, when when I feel lost in life, and maybe you feel lost in life yourself, Sometimes it's, it's the fact that we don't actually have the big picture of where we're headed. We're lost because literally we don't have a compass. We don't know what we should be moving towards. And Jesus sees Peter in kind of the uncertainty of his future. And he says, here's what I need you to do. And he says it three times in three different ways. Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. See, part of discovering your passion starts with just kind of processing where you're at. But then part of it is discovering where you're going. It's the discovery that leads to, wow, this is the way that God wired me to be. One of the things I love about my role as a family pastor is talking with teens, with youth leaders, with different people, about where they're headed in life. And I got the chance to sit down with one of the youth leaders a little bit ago, and we just kind of talked through, like, you know, what do you love? What could you see yourself doing? Just thinking about a career transition. And... Um, and if I were to sit down today, I would, I would say there's kind of three different things that'll help you sort out what your personal mission might be. Or another word for that is calling. And it's this, you know, start with what are you uniquely wired for? What's your skill set? And, and what gives you deeper joy than anything else? What's your passion? You know, picture, picture, picture a circle, almost like a Venn diagram. And then thirdly, what do you see as the need in the world? Probably somewhere where those circles meet is what God is going to call you to. The intersection of your passion and skill set and the world's need. I love what Frederick Buchner says. He, he defines it this way. The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. The place God calls you is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. So often we get caught up in the routines of life. Calendar appointments, schedules, pickups, drop-offs, and we just got to go, go, go. And we don't take time to actually look at the big picture of where we're headed, of who we want to be, of where we want to be, of what we want to do in the next 10, 15, 30 years. But this is an opportunity, this summer is an opportunity to hit reset on that. I, ho- I hope that you take time to just think through what is your mission, and then you move toward that mission. This past fall, for Sonia and I, uh, we took a step back from leading a life group, which we had done the, the previous four years. Uh, we, took, we took a step back for a few different reasons. Partly, uh, our oldest, Hannah, was starting into, uh, into public school in grade one in French immersion. And for her, as a whirlwind. Day one, the teacher only speaks French. Sonia's fluid in French, but we hadn't spoken a whole lot of French. So there she is, just kind of petrified. We're like, okay, she's going to need some time to just kind of adjust to all this, the different routines. But there was something, a deeper reason that we pulled back from a few different things. It's the fact that we wanted to take time as a family to give space to ask the question, God, what do you want from us? What do you want us to do? What's our family all about? And as we explored that through prayer and reading the Bible and conversations and mentoring and podcasts and you name it, we discovered that God had something for us. And it kind of, it kind of came out of a message that I shared last fall, where it talked about how Jesus would leave the 99 and go after the one. 
And I was struck by something in Ezekiel 34 that actually has become for us a bit of a personal mission. And uh, I made a little, little board, and, and it hangs over top of the, the couch in our living room. And this is something that, that Jesus, uh, that God said through the prophet Ezekiel, Jesus cares a ton about, and we've really resonated with. It says, I'll go after the lost, I'll collect the strays, I'll doctor the injured, I'll build up the weak, and oversee the strong. And for us, as we landed on, you know what? I think that's where God has us. That's the direction that we need to go. As we've discovered that personal mission, there's been some pretty crazy implications. There's, there's not just the discovery, there's the follow-through. And for us, for those of you that, that have gotten to know us, you, you've journeyed with us, you know where, where some of these things are taking us. Some of the, the, the adjustments in our family, some of the things that we're trying to reframe to prioritize what God has us on. And for you, it might be different. But what is your personal mission? I love, I love this. Victor, Victor Frankl says this, those who have a why to live can bear with any how. Those who have a why to live can bear with any how. See, part of the healing for Peter only came when he accepted that job and he lived it out. He had that regret, and some of the ways that he had to process it was to actually be a part of God's kingdom. And God's calling you. He's inviting you into the work that he wants to do. So number two, move toward your mission. Number three, it's this. And we're just going to read, read on a few more verses, and you're going to see what the third point is. In John 21, verse 20, it says this, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. This is referring to John, uh, who's the author. He's kind of talking about himself. The one who had been reclining at table close to him, and it said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If it's my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You, follow me. What's that to you? You, follow me. It's so easy to get caught up in other people's lives in other people's calling, in their personal mission, in the faults that we find in them. And we're curious about what's going on in other people's lives. And yet here's Jesus when Peter tries to deflect over to John. Jesus says to Peter, hey, what's that to you? You follow me. See, Jesus is the one that we need to follow. He's our guide. He's our teacher. He's our leader. He's the one that we take lessons from and cues from, isn't it? But so often, we take our cues from the people in the circles around us. In, in the locker room talk, in the, in the, in the, in the just conversations that we have at work, in, in what other people are doing, in the latest Netflix show, we just take our cues from the culture around us. But Jesus is saying, so what if, if everyone in your circle is going a dif- different direction? What's that to you? You follow me. And that sounds intense, and it can be intense, but really, what a gift that is, that we don't have to live by the expectations that others place on us. We don't have to live based on that. We can live into the freedom that God has for us. And Jesus says, in this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And notice that Jesus does not say, you know, follow the latest trend or follow your own way. He says, follow me. We're given just a clear path of how to follow Jesus. Bob Goff, you guys, any, everyone, any of you follow Bob on Instagram? Man, you have to follow Bob Goff on Instagram. He says this, 
We won't be distracted by comparison if we are captivated with purpose. We won't be distracted by comparison if we, fall, if we are captivated with purpose. Unless you're trying to help the people around you, don't worry about what's going on in their life. Don't worry about their personal commitment. Don't worry about where their heart's at. You follow me. And as, as we close, I'm going to invite Jason and the band to come back up. And we're just going to, we're going to sing that last song together. Because that's just, so, that's just so key. We want to see in our own homes a passion for God, don't we? We want to see in this church a love for God that just overflows, not, not just in our affections, but into our lifestyle and into our examples and in who we, who we follow. We want, we want to see that and into the mess of our life. And some of those personal regrets and the disappointments and the tough slugging that it is, Jesus is there with open arms, ready to invite us in. He's saying, will you come follow me? I love you. I love you. I've given myself. I've done everything for you. Going to the cross, rising again, giving the Holy Spirit. Everything's there for you. I love you. Do you love me more than these? And that's the challenge to every single one of us. So as we, as we, as we enter into the song, it's an invitation to you to either sing along, maybe if you can sing it, or just to think about it and reflect. Or maybe for the very first time, you're ready to take that step. You've wondered, I don't know about this whole faith thing, but you actually do want to give your life to Jesus. You actually do want to follow him. You do love him more than anything else. And you want to just talk about it and explore that. We'd love to pray with you over in the prayer area. We'd love to talk with you. We'd like like to start you on that journey. And uh, this is just an opportunity for you as we sing these words just to reflect on where your own heart's at. And maybe it'll springboard some thoughts uh, later on this summer as you reset and refocus priorities and expectations and plans. I, I, man, I hope that it could be true of us that we would follow God everywhere, anywhere that he leads. Wherever you lead me, Whatever it costs me. Thanks for listening to the Pathway Church Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, go to our website, pathwaylife.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe. See you next week.